0: If the listeners could be part of our, like, conversations, you know, behind the bar. (laughs) Exactly.
1: They
2: would be bowled over by how brilliant we are.
0: We are are just...
2: And filthy. (laughs) Filth. The filth that comes out of these people. Lies.
3: All lies.
4: (laughs) Tessa just
3: brings it out of me. I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) It's her pretense. It's her pretense at being innocent. (sighs)
4: Tess is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) We got to keep just that one line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the opening. Yes, yes. Jason, that's the opening. Tess is the worst. (laughs) Welcome to Cocktails at Table 7. Welcome to Cocktails at Table 7, inside New York's Joe Allen.
2: In May of 1965, Joe Allen began life as a cozy neighborhood bar and restaurant in New York City's Hell's Kitchen.
0: Located just a few blocks from Broadway, Joe's quickly developed a highly loyal clientele of young performers, writers, and creative types.
2: The food was great, the drinks were stiff, and the fabled flop wall celebrating Broadway's most notorious bombs gave the room an added touch of insider charm.
0: Over the decades, Joe Allen grew into a New York institution. And on this podcast, we'll celebrate Joe's history with longtime regulars who know it best.
2: We'll hear from actors, producers, writers, musicians, neighbors, and friends who will share with us just what makes Joe Allen the place to be. So here's to old friends, new friends, and
0: cocktails
2: at Table 7.
5: Going on here? Twas six days after Christmas and not at the bar. We had cocktails with friends. We zoomed from afar. The earphones were plugged in our earholes with care. We made ourselves cosmos. We made them songs flare. We saw our old friends on bright, shiny screens separated on Christmas. Thanks, COVID 19. The servers were sat. With iPhones and iPads. Both naughty and nice, these ladies and lads. With Dana in her kerchief. And Sean in his cap. And Jason not drinking. Hey, what's up with that? We thought it'd be nice to let you all hear of stories of Goodwill and Joel Allen Cheer. Those times we brushed elbows with theater elites. We won't put them on Facebook. And we won't send out tweets. Stories of regulars who showed up thrice a week. You know we adore them. They're truly unique. So sit back, my friends. Get comfy. Get boozy while we talk to Miss Thing, Miss Kimberly Huey.
2: There she is. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. It's our good friend Kimberly Huey of Orso. Uh-huh.
6: Hello. And
2: other things, but of Orso. Of
6: Orso. Of Orso. Of Orso. Of
2: Orso. Thank you for joining us on our special end of the year holiday episode of Cocktails at Table 7 Inside New York's Joe Allen. That's the title.
0: (laughs) That's a big title. Yes. He finally got it right.
2: (laughs) I barely ever get it right. (laughs) After like four months. Nine or ten episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to tell the story that I think you're going to tell?
6: I was wondering if you knew which story it was. It's a two-parter.
2: It is a two-parter and it's also... I got to see it. It was beautiful. It was one of my, my most favorite moments of viewing. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's a great story. It's a
6: great story. It's my favorite story. Okay, do I just start telling the story? Set the scene.
5: When did this happen?
2: What time of you? Oh
6: gosh, those are hard details, Sean. My memory doesn't work like that.
5: Once upon a time.
6: Once upon a time. But it's a true story. And so, okay, it was at Orso. And like everybody who has ever worked at Orso or Joe Allen, we all have that person, that one person, that if they walk through the door, you're going to lose your ish. What am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to say that?
5: Yeah. You can say whatever you
6: like. Okay. Yeah. So everybody's got that person. You're going to lose your shit when they walk through the door.
5: In a good way, you're saying. Yes.
6: Yes. In the best way, it's it's like your own Bethlehem star happening. Wow. You know? But usually you have a heads up. So you can be a little prepared. But the reservation had been made in the assistant's name. So there's no heads up. So that when... I'm just going to drop the name now. Carol Burnett walked through the door. I had to use all of my powers to kind of keep it together.
2: And I have to tell you, as a bystander, it very you very did it very poorly. <laughs> 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 you're keeping it together it was very minimal.
0: Kimberly's very expressive. So so that our listeners know she's a very, very expressive human being. I
6: and and you're right, Sean. I did it. <laughs> I did it. I'm not good at it. So i didn't even get to bring her pizza bread i was she wasn't in my section i just i had zero contact and it's now they are leaving and i have been watching ron sims interact and laugh and, and just having the time of his life with carol burnett and then i see he gets a hug mm-hmm. He 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 they're not just laughing he gets a hug and my, my inner five-year-old just like bust out. And I, I did not realize it was an audible thing, but I basically said, he got a hug. <laughs> <laughs> With all that pining longing, you know, five-year-olds have of like, I want your present. Anyways, so <laughs> the assistant heard, saw and uh, whispered something to Carol. And the next thing I know, Ms. Carol Burnett is looking at me and doing that international arms open wide, coming for a hug sign. I mean, I, I was this close to being that five-year-old that just ran to her for a hug. <laughs> but I, I approached her like an adult and she hugged me. And then I got a photo. Then the the, the assistant takes out her phone and takes a picture of me and Carol Burnett. I mean, you know, I'm done. This is the fairy tale. It's happened. Perfect. So now. Do we go to part
4: two?
2: Which, by the way, took place the week before Christmas. And the place was whacked out, over-the-top busy. You were behind the bar; It was a Monday. Kind of plays into the story. Oh, line.
6: yeah. Whacked out busy. And we're all busy. Next door is busy. And they're busy and their espresso machine breaks. And France comes over. And normally they wouldn't do this. But it's a special request, a special guest. And says, I need an espresso
1: for Carol Burnett.
6: <laughs> what am I, what, what am I? Of course I'm gonna make Carol Burnett an espresso. I make the most loving espresso ever. And and I say to France, tell her it's from Kimberly and I'm still
3: waiting for my photo.
6: And uh, I don't know, something gets lost in translation. So the next thing I know, it's just, we're back to whatever and Sean, you want to help me
2: with this part? She's facing the uh, espresso machine, making cappuccinos and drinks, and getting uh, moving quite quickly to get people out. And the door opens, and Carol's husband Brian walks in, and Carol walks in and stands right at the bar with her hands on the bar with the empty orso cup that the espresso was made in, and the saucer. And Kimberly's <laughs> hands up, running, doing all of her work, and Carol goes, "Kimberly." And Kimberly turns around and she says, I want to thank you so much for this delicious espresso. And here's your cup back. And they had another hug. Dude,
0: I was there that (laughs) night working, running around like a maniac on the floor. And I remember turning around and going... Why is she talking to Carol Burnett? I need a coffee. Yes. Yes. yes.
2: It, it was the sweetest thing ever. And it was like a perfect moment. And Kimberly just sort of had an open mouth, uh, open mouth gasp. Like she does that. Happy gasp like
6: she does right now. I, I yep. mean, I was, I was so gobsmacked. I couldn't, I couldn't make a proper sentence. And and I remember so those little Vietri espresso cups and saucers, Sean, do you remember this part? Mm, no, tell me. You said I could keep it.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I would have said those, that. that <laughs> those are very expensive. I, I, I doubt that. Edit. I doubt that. So that sounds out. Edit. That's not by the book.
6: That's not by the book? It was, <laughs> by the, it was chipped. It chipped on the way back?
2: Do you still have the chipped Carol Burnett cup?
6: I do. It's got bunnies on it.
5: Oh, uh,
2: that's a great story, Kimberly and it's a reminder of uh how special and fun and uh easy things were at a certain point i mean
6: who's getting hugs from carol burnett today
2: she's one of the nicest
6: she's so sweet we'll
2: put it on the record she's one of the nicest celebrities
6: it's
0: really good to see your beautiful face it's good to see all of your faces
2: i love you kimberly and i miss you and i and i and i i think it was only appropriate that you came on seven minutes late
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was stuck at 59th street <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right she was coming from an audition <laughs> She actually does come from them, and they actually—they actually pan out. Some. The
0: rest of us might actually be full of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I miss you guys. I do. This
2: was a pleasure, and we'll—we'll we'll, we'll actually take that and turn it into just the most delightful holiday bauble. A bauble. A bauble.
6: Bobble. Baubles. Oh, it's gonna be
2: a nice little bauble.
6: Okay. Well, have a great holiday, everybody.
5: Out on the streets, a car horn was blaring. A guy was paying for all his cab faring. We watched him approach. This mythic bartender, he peddles your booze, this sweet vodka bender. Away to the entrance, we sprang with a flash, and in walked our friend with flair and panache. A story to tell, he proclaimed as he entered. The marveller gets marvelled, this story's well glittered. Arcto them! Oh, he with a stick, a Joe Allen miracle from One Flato,
7: Saint Nick. Hi guys, thanks for having me. This is Nick Flato, bartender, server at Joe Allen for over five years. I have always loved working at Joe Allen because it's unlike any other restaurant in New York. I love Joe Allen from the moment I walked in. The, the staff, you know, the family that you create with who you work with every day is like nothing else. But even more, Joe Allen is about community. It's about the people sitting at the tables. And just to be among performers, producers, everyone that is in or loves theater is something you can't create anywhere else. Um, I have a story to share. It's about three minutes. It's my favorite memory of Joe Allen. Um, There was a table that walked in. It was uh, an eight top across from table seven. And there were about three people that were there so far. It was a a mom and two kids, you know, a girl that was 12, a boy that was maybe like seven or eight. And they were British. They had an accent. And they were the sweetest people. And the son was so cute. And he's like, is there any way I could get orange juice with no pulp? And the mom just looked at me and I was like, no, unfortunately, you know, our orange juice is fresh. We have pulp in it. You know, I'm so sorry. They were asking questions about the menu. He wanted pasta with butter, and I, I said, let me see what I can do for you. I'll, I'll check with the chef, and they made it happen for him. But then they asked about this orange juice, and I was like, we don't have it. I'm so sorry. And I walked away, and I said, you know what? You know, the restaurant isn't too crowded right now. I'm a bartender. I know we have a strainer back there. And I, I kind of weighed, okay, are my coworkers gonna judge me forever that I request this, or is it worth it for this boy? Um, so I go to the bar, and I order orange juice, and I said, is there any way that you can strain the pulp from the orange juice. There's no one sitting at the bar. It's a slow day. I would never ask in any other instance. They made it happen for me, and I brought the orange juice over, and the boy's eyes just lit up, and the mom was like, thank you so much for going over and beyond for my son. Um, you're just the best. You're so sweet. And in walks, Jamie Parker played the original Harry, Pro- uh, Harry Potter on Broadway, and I'm a huge Harry Potter J.K. Rowling fan, I read all the books. She came to my elementary school and signed the first copy when I was ten. But I literally started sweating. I'm like, This is Harry Potter's son, the boy who lived. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm wait I cannot wait to see this show. I haven't seen it yet, you know, and they were so sweet, and I did the whole meal. And I'm tolling their check, and the mom leaves the table and goes to the bathrooms, the restrooms, and she's like, Nick, you have been so wonderful as you know, our server, you went over and beyond for our son. We loved having you. I wish we could do anything for you. You've just been a dream. And I stayed still for 30 seconds. And I was like, well, my partner's 40th birthday is coming up and we're dying to see Harry Potter on Broadway. And she's like, let me see what I can do. So we go back to the table and we're just chummy, 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 chummy. That night, I get an email with four tickets, box seats to Harry Potter on Broadway, and I was freaking out. Um, And so my partner is a big Harry Potter fan as well. We ended up going. It was a surprise to him. But when we got to the show, this is the crazy part. The lights came down and this woman came on stage and she's like, tonight is a very special night. You're all here because of an organization that, that brings orphans to their families and helps kids across the world and I would like to introduce J.K. Rowling to the stage and J.K. walks out and talks about her work and what her work has now allowed her to do and I immediately burst into tears because I was the one surprising my partner you know Joe Allen made this happen and we got tickets to the show but now the surpriser was surprised and I just broke down and sobbed and said this is what life's about when you give good karma out, it will return, and 2020 is all about that. You gotta share the love. We're all hurting right now. Artists are hurting, and we gotta stay strong and be there for one another. And and Joe Allen is where it's at. You know, I had to pivot to real estate right now. I'm a real estate salesperson. So if you know you need to buy, sell, or rent a home, you know where to find me. But I will never forget what Joe Allen means to me and my family there. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. And happy holidays. He tells it with love,
5: with care, and aplomb. Gotta rent an apartment? Check out NickFleto.com, our next little elf. She likes shiny satin. Won't you please clap for Miss Former Joe Allen? She worked here for years. She worked so hard, but she moved far away for a hubby and a yard. More rapid than eagles, the stories they came... She whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dana, now Sean, now Chuck, now Ron Abel. Please, won't you let me? Here is your table. To the back of the bar, please try the desserts. Ladies and gentlemen, Erin Sullivan Wurtz.
8: Hello. We're the
2: answer. Wow. Look at you.
5: Christmas.
9: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> Hi. How are you?
9: So I'm a little, I'm a little like nervous. I won't lie. I'm a little like, Ooh. don't
0: be nervous. Okay. What is your, did your sweater say something?
9: Let it snow. Oh, there you go. Yeah, just, you know, all the snow we get in North Carolina. It's really magical. I have to wait. I have to hope for it and wish it into fruition, but it's not (laughs) going to happen. So
2: we have to mention who we're talking to. We are talking to a very, very uh, prestigious guest, uh, Miss Jo Allen herself, Aaron Sullivan. Uh, we've always promised that Joe Allen show, the Joe Allen awards, the Joe, the Joey award show we have yet to deliver on it, but we've talked about the Joeys on at least half of these and you yourself are the original miss Joe Allen.
9: Self-appointed, self-appointed.
2: <laughs> Made your own costume.
9: She
0: knows how to get it done. She's the boss
9: lady. It's probably like the dumbest, most proudest thing I've ever accomplished is, you know, being miss Joe Allen.
2: Well, you're a deliverer of goods, Aaron.
0: So we would love for you to tell us a heartwarming a funny,
9: a story that embodies your Joe Allen experience. Oh man, that is, I was, so I was an employee of Joe Allen for almost seven years through basically, uh, I I basically call my, I guess my thirties, the time of my life. I don't even know how to like narrow that down, but down here, when I try to tell people and even explain to what Joe Allen is now, it's not just a restaurant. It wasn't just a job. It was like a community, it was a family. And how much I miss it. Uh, I obviously love our regulars. Um, I think Allen and Orso and BC have the best regulars ever. I
0: was going to say, and you've taken some of them into your family. You want to tell people a little
9: bit about that? I mean, that's probably one of my personal best um, takeaways is that it was my first year working there. I started in July and it was in Christmas and Jeremy was still on the floor before he went up to retirement you know, Barson Tral retirement. And um, he goes, Oh my gosh. And I was platinum. Like now I'm like seasoned into my hair, but I was like, super platinum. And he turns around. He's like, Oh, look, your dads are here. And I turned around and I looked in like the archway of the entrance and there stand Ron Abel and Chuck Stefan and like in their glowing white hair. And I laughed so hard. I was in tears because these two men could have birthed me. And it became a massive running joke with the staff for like about a calendar year until the following Christmas, I became finally close enough with them that I was like, hey, you know, we have a running joke about you guys with me. And they were like, what? Tell us. And I was like, everyone calls you my dad's. And they it became a joke that became um a relationship. And still to this day I call them my fathers. I've celebrated birthdays with them, Christmases. Every Father's Day I was in New York, I spent with them. Ron actually was supposed to marry us. Ron was got ordained and he was supposed to marry us, but because of the pandemic, it just wasn't safe for him to come down. So um, I think, yeah, Ron and Chuck are probably the best relationship that I've taken out of Joe Allen, for sure.
0: You got engaged on their roof deck.
9: Uh-huh. That was so much fun. Yeah. They're the best. They're the best. And they love that place so much. And, you know, yeah. So it's crazy how like the regulars kind of become family. Literally.
2: You miss it, Aaron, And you know what? We miss it too.
9: I wish I was there to be your fourth. Please. You know, if I was there, I'd be all up on this. She wouldn't have
0: taken, this isn't yours for an answer. Like, I'm
9: sorry. Where's my 25%? Thank you.
5: Ben. 25% of zero is all yours.
9: Actually, we're in we're in debt. Actually.
5: Yeah. You're actually doing better than we are.
9: I can't wait till, you know, it's safe to get on a plane. A, Joe Allen's open. B, it's okay, like, to travel. And C, I can maybe, like, hang out with the people I want to see next year, so.
2: That's what we're all hoping for. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you.
9: Same to you guys. Love you. Bye. Have
8: yourself a Let your heart be light Next year all our troubles Will be out of sight Have yourself a make the yuletide gay next year will be near to us once more. Someday soon, we all will be together, if the fates allow. Until
5: Up on the awning, Miss Dana sung sweet. All of us fawning on 46th Street. Yes, that was her, you listeners must know. Don't you love her vibrato? Mmm, crescendo. With a sleigh full of cheer and a cookie or two, our friend Cheryl zoomed in in a messy hairdo. A mug in her hands full of cocoa. She told stories of Christmas, hear it or so. She made us a drink. A vodka martini. The star on our tree, Cheryl Orsini.
2: You know, between, between Jason and Dana and myself, almost 60 years of experience in the building. I think if we add you in. It was 21 years for me. So we get 81. 81. Holy mackerel. And we're too young for that to be a thing. Every last one of us.
3: Oh, that was, that was, that was the big deal when everybody would find that out. You know, customers, they were like, You're too young. I was like, Oh thank you. Not true, not true.
2: And then and then you would tell them your story about working at the toll booth.
3: Oh my god, exactly. (laughs) One of my one million jobs I had before
2: (laughs) the Jersey turnpike toll booth.
3: Little does everyone know. I mean, well, you all know this, but I am the woman of many jobs prior to arriving on the Orso Joe Allen. Or Trolley scene.
2: At many jobs.
3: At many, many, many jobs. I've I've got some stories from from my days as a toll collector, also. I mean
5: But well, we've asked you here to tell us a heartwarming story about Joe Allen or Orso or Barson Trolley or or Sean Kent. That's what we all really want to hear.
3: You want to hear a story about Sean Kent?
5: Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Sean Kent wants to hear a story
2: about Sean Kent. <laughs>
3: <Sean. laughs> However the Uh, spirit moves. Whatever spirit moves. You You know, I wasn't trying to think. I was thinking of the many, many heartfelt moments. And I guess what I would say the overriding factor of all of the heartfelt stories I was remembering was a sense of family, but not just a sense of family within our staffs collectively, because we all were friends with each other It was family in that sense, but also family like I've never experienced before as far as the customers were concerned. Listen, it's a job and you have your bad days, but man, when it was the good days, it felt like you were at the best party in New York City as far as our customers were concerned. And one of the stories that really stuck out in my mind was after 9-11. I was scheduled to work, and I remember Barney Carpfinger and Eric Marcus, who were our two of our longtime regulars at Orso, and I'm sure still are and will be once it reopens, came by with not because they had a reservation, but merely to check in on us all. And I remember being struck by that because prior to that, I was still I wasn't new new, but. I wasn't there 20 years at this point. And so for me to have two people that were patrons, customers come in and just check on the staff was just incredible to me. Yeah. And there were, there are so many stories of customers in that sense. And I'm sure we all could speak to that as far as, you know, what we were pursuing as far as our the passion of our lives, acting, singing, dancing, whatever, writing, whatever it was, that the customers, the regulars, they went beyond and really asked you how things were going and really supported you in a real way by coming to these shows, these, these events Un, um, what do I want to say? It's not like you had to like say, hey, can you please come? It was always like, hey, are you in anything? We'd really love to come and support you. And they meant it. Absolutely. Like, what are you doing? Can we come?
0: When's your next show? Exactly.
3: I mean, I had people drive to um, Croton Falls, regulars. Not even drive, because I don't think they had a car. They took the train. I met them at the train station, and we had to walk along the highway to get to the theater, so we're walking on the shoulder of the road with three, it was three uh, regulars all in their 80s, I'll say, I'll be generous and say 80s, and we're walking on the shoulder of the road to go to this theater, and they couldn't say enough amazing things about it afterward when I saw them at the restaurant saying what a great time they had and please think of them if I was doing anything else so it was when I think of this period of my life I mean this is where I made my most lasting these will be my lifelong friendships with staff members and also with some of the customers like these are these will be yeah the defining moments of my life, when I when I think back on those those years that I spent there, and I feel really lucky, you know, that I did get to experience that whole world. To me, it was like the pinnacle of any restaurant job anyone could have. After that, where are you going to go?
5: I think uh, a few of us have tried and have always found our way back. Uh, so. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. But, and it, like I said, this whole sense of family. And I remember being really touched after my mom had passed away. And the first person, my whole family in South Jersey lives about two and a half hours away. And I remember one of the first people come to the funeral home where the memorial or where the service was being held was Victor Flores. And I remember opening that door And in in disbelief that this guy who is so busy, I mean, anyone who knows Victor, workaholic, he was taking care of three restaurants at this point. And he found the time to drive two and a half hours out of his way to come and support me during that time. And I mean, I just broke down, I was a wreck. But these are the kinds of, of people that we work alongside of and that we get to wait on or, you know, be associated with as far as customers are concerned. It it goes on both sides.
5: And then, in a twinkling, like ice, in a flagon, he zoomed out our chimney to our Zoomy cabin. He was dressed in all fur, from his feet to his nose Manhattan in hand To maraschinos A bundle of music he had on keyboard If it wasn't for him No intro'd be scored Into our virtual recording studio Came our good friend Elfish James Rubio His eyes how they twinkled His manner so cheery He told us this tale All souvenir
4: This would have been Six years, six years ago, with uh, Miss Patty Labelle, who I completely adore, and I don't know. Patty Labelle always seems approachable, but it's one of those celebrities you hope. I hope she's as nice in person as she seems in, you know, on stage or on recording or on TV, because she just seems like a beautiful, heartwarming soul. Anyway, um, going to be the second time I saw her on Broadway. I, I had seen her in in Fela, um, replacing Lilius White, and then she was going to be in this show called After Midnight replacing fantasia barino so she was on table um my gosh i'm actually forgetting the table number (laughs) 17 oh my god (laughs) yeah, she's on table 17 that that six top and i was you know i mean we often try not to go up to the guests and be like i'm gonna go watch you or i can't wait to see you but she seemed like one of those celebrities who you could do that to so it's waiting on her kind of nervously kind of building up the um the resolve to tell her this and Almost at the end of the meal, I did tell her, you know, Miss Labelle, and when I say Patty, um, you know, Miss Labelle, um, me and a couple of friends are planning on seeing you and after midnight, and I saw you in Fela and you were spectacular, and I can't wait. No, she stand up, gave me a hug, and she basically told me, she was like, I knew you weren't just a wonderful waiter, but also a wonderful person, which made me start tearing up and shaking. I I don't know why. It's it's one of those things when you just get any sort of response from a celebrity or somebody you idolize, but it's something so warm that it triggered some emotion in me. In either case, I hadn't gotten tickets yet. (laughs) 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 Uh, um, Well, well, the thing is, um, me and Cheryl and my friend Ryan, we're going to do lottery tickets. I was planning on going early one morning, like seven o'clock, doing rush tickets. And that was the plan. But after she gave me a hug, I'm like, okay, now we really have to see her because she's not in this much longer. The plan was... Kind of being made, we're trying to coordinate all our work schedules, and then apparently one day I came back and I was told that Patty had come back and said, Has James seen the show? and I was like, Oh god, I now I really have to see it because, <laughs> because yes, I'm seeing, gonna see her, and I have full intent to see her, but I don't want to see her again without having seen it. So finally, I probably a couple days later went to see the show, she was glorious. She came in, I think that night or the day after, and I immediately told her, oh my gosh, Miss LaBelle, your performance was heartwarming. Again, gave me a hug. And then I guess the, the, to top it all off, about five or six days later, I was told that there was something for me in the, in the, manager's, in the manager's drawer. And I don't know what it was. I thought it would be like, maybe I forgot something. But basically, Patty, who had left the show by that point, had come back in. And apparently, I wasn't working that day, so she left signed headshots for me, which say "I love you always" and best wishes. But I kept thinking, like, I don't think c- celebrities normally do that. No, maybe in in like rock pop world, or I. But I don't think so. I, I, I was actually, again, kind of like emotionally shaken. <laughs> it was it was very thoughtful, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I better go and really like catch up on learning all my Patty LaBelle, apart from like the pop songs <laughs> <You know? laughs> in case she ever comes back. Um, but that's the most a celebrity has ever gone out of her way to pay back the love, which I, I, I couldn't help but show to her. And, and I've kept, I've kept these safe in a, in a little envelope. I've not had them displayed because I don't know. It's, I love them. I, I, I love her. It's a great story, James. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you remember the time that (laughs) stood and yelled at you while you ate your lunch? (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
4: Yes. Yes. I remember that. But it's not funny. But it is funny when we tell it. But when it happened, it wasn't funny. You remember when stole that piece of liver off my plate?
0: Well, yes, because I was sitting at the table waiting for you. And I'm sitting there and she walks up to the table. Your food is sitting there with me and I'm eating my food. And waiting for you. And she's like, ooh, liver. And she just literally sticks her hand in the plate, picks up a piece of liver, sticks it in her mouth, and goes, Don't tell anyone. And like walks out, and I'm like <laughs> Oh my
3: God. We were like
0: going crazy. I let James eat his dinner before I told him because I was afraid he wouldn't eat it.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you
4: know? But yes, no, Miss Miss Patty LaBelle just uh, that's 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 one of the more like extended heartwarming stories that I had where I feel like I was being given hugs. Oh, yes. You better watch out. You better not pop.
1: You better not cry. I'm you Santa Claus is coming today.
5: Then Mary zoomed in all the way from upstate. She added her gingerbread to our plate. She had her iPhone. Wi-Fi like jelly. Her bottle of wine brought home from the deli. Not chubby, not plump, not neither, nor elf. Here we will talk to the lady herself of a day spent with Joe, all full of theater. They went to three shows, so barely a breather. So enjoy this dessert. It's like mazapan, kind of sticky and sweet. From Mary Hatman.
2: Like, we're all sharing our special memories, special moments, times where we've taken stock of how lucky we are to work where we work. And I know you had the story you wanted to tell about a day where you experienced the full spectrum of all three places.
10: Yes. So the Norman Conquest had come to Broadway. 2009 version. I don't know how many times they, I think they had been in Broadway before and Joe wanted to see it because he had seen only one of the three plays in London, I think, originally. And then people were seeing it and everyone was raving about it, so he was like, will you go with me? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go do this with Joe. This will be, this will be a thing he and I do together.
5: And, and to clarify, it's, it's like three shows in one day. It is an entire day. We lost her. We lose her for good. Yep. Yep.
10: I think we're going to have problems. I think it's my iPad. I tried to fix it, but three those in one day, which I thought might be extremely daunting, but it ended up being really, really interesting and wonderful. And so the one thing that was so interesting was that we went to Orso before they were open. Like we got before set up because we had to get the electric <laughs> Right, that. right. Were you there, Cheryl? I may have been. May have been. We had to like, so we got there and had cappuccinos, talked to the staff. So like me and Joe hanging out while they're setting up to have our coffees before we go to the first show. And then also, you know, you go to a show with Joe and everybody knows him. So you get there and then there's this whole thing like, oh my God, I can't believe you are here. You're running into people and all that stuff. The show's great. It was also pouring rain. So we were like ridiculously, I'm trying to get under one crappy umbrella back and forth. We got back to Joe's and I think we were at post like they're all leaving to go. Because I think we're coming in like as they're leaving to go to the two o'clock. Yes. So then we sit at the bar and have Joe Allen egg brunch. I didn't think we would drink, but we did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why would you think you wouldn't drink?
10: Oh, <laughs> well, it's really early. I was like, oh my God, we got a big day out of it. Oh, come on. Two o'clock? That's not early. But Yeah, but we had the whole, we had two more shows. And, and you know. You needed, was you needed like, oh. sustenance. Right. So Joe's like, oh, I'll have a beer, whatever. So we had like one drink that then we separated for a little half hour or whatever. Meet back up, go to the second show. The shows are so freaking good that you like completely energized when you leave. That was what was so fascinating. was like, I felt more excited, more full of energy as the day went on. So then we go back. Now it's the, between the second, third show, Joe's like, let's take a break. You know, let's meet back at whatever. And then I went back and did, I think, or maybe both of us went and did a quick little snort at Orso again, standing at the bar there. But then we're going to separate do our own thing, meet back before the third show. And I went to my studio and painted. He went and took his nap or whatever. And then we met at Bars Trolley, had a real glass of wine and headed back to the third show. And then we did the third show. And the, like I was like I said, by the end, I was like, this is, I can't, I'm so happy I did this. Like the, I didn't really want to do it. And then, but when I did it, and also for Joe and I to spend, we spend a lot of time together, but you know, 12 hours straight, you know, just the two of us was we. We got most of that. That was good. Did you get a, uh, and froze. you froze for a second, but
2: not only did you spend the day together, but you were thoroughly delighted by the shows you were seeing, which is just terrific.
10: Yes. And we were really, both of us equally enjoying it. And then we went back to Trolley, sat down at a table for real now to sit and really like be part of post theater. We sit down and we're just like, wow, what a That was just fantastic. This is so great. And now we're like customers, we're going to eat, we're going to do all this stuff. We start ordering, and then we order our food, we order drinks, we're discussing how great it is. And I'm pretty sure all six members of the cast walked in, like two at a time, and sat one across from us here, one across from us here, one around the corner, and they're all saying hello. And everyone's freaking out because then there's other people there, you know. But then we realized, like, oh my God, this is what it's like. We're experiencing just like the public and realizing that these places are just so not like anywhere else. Like for us, we're used to it when we're working. But when you really sit down and, and just do it, like I said, this I think this is what Tim Lohr calls the trifecta. I think it's called the Tim Laura trifecta. If you do Joe Allen, Orso, Bars and Trolley all in one day. (laughs) Like that we did it and we were like, oh, oh my God, of course everybody wants to be here. And it was just I I was I felt enlightened and proud. You know, I I was very proud because I worked so hard to open Bars and Trolley with Joe. And and then just because Joe always taught me. And I don't know if he said this to you guys, but one of his biggest things was you never try to do things for other. You can't try to please other people. You got to please yourself, you know, and then we'll do it right. And, and that was that moment. I was like, we worked so hard to make it great for us. But look at how much everybody loves this.
2: And what I always have found fascinating is if you know the man, all three places are perfect reflections of different sides of the guy. Perfect. You know, and they are, they are how they are. And, and we were talking earlier about the Orsa regulars and the love that the customers have of how we do things. You know what I mean? Like they actually not only love the place, but they love that we do it the way that we do it.
3: Mayor, I was saying earlier that on the nights it was really humming. It felt like you were in the best party
10: in town. And I think we forget because we're working that yeah most restaurants don't have that feeling. Totally. Yeah. I was thinking about
0: stories for myself and there's like nine million of them. I mean, but I was thinking about two special interactions I had with Joe Allen himself that make me that made me smile. And Mary, you were there for one of them. I don't know if you remember, but it was the first time I came back after my accident, it was Tony night. And you and Joe were sitting Having dinner, and I came in. I was still in my back brace, and you guys got both got up to say hi. And Joe gave me the biggest hug and was like, I'm so glad you're okay. And he was just so, it was so sweet because, you know, he's a little, he's elusive in in his way. And in his way, (laughs) oh, give me,
10: right? He's the most elusive.
0: (laughs) It goes to show how much he cares about the people that worked for him that are around him, that he spent time with.
2: I guess we should do a sign off because it is, it is the holidays. It's been a really weird year, but I would like to say, I feel like we're among the lucky ones. We've had hard, you know, not great times, but it it, it could have been a lot worse. A lot of people have suffered a lot more. We're in a great place. We have great friends. We have a great community. Merry Christmas, happy new year. Oh my God, can I not wait until January 21st? I mean, my heart is in my throat, but I wish all of you a very, very wonderful 2021, and I can't wait till we can all be back together again and Live our goofy, stupid, happy, fun lives that we miss right now.
0: Oh, do we miss it? We're
2: going to be
4: goofier than
2: ever when we come back. Yeah, right. Thank you, James, for your music as well, which we've done before, but we'll do it again. Your theme is awesome.
5: Dana, do you have a toast for us?
0: I do. Everyone, would you please raise your glasses? I know we all, this is, this is now a lot of times we record this in the middle of the afternoon, so <laughs> we have water bottles, but please raise your glass to great friends, great nights at the theater, and cocktails at table seven.
5: And laying a finger right by the Lee Button, hoping to dream of Patty and Sutton, we laid down our heads, the room somewhat spinning. Aren't we all tired of all of this winning? A new year's in store, one that's special, that's great. We'll all drink again and commiserate. We wish you the best. No more COVID depression. See you next year for Cocktails at 7.
2: Tales at Table 7 is produced by Jason Woodruff, Dana Mirlock, and Sean Kent, with theme music by James Rubio, and logo, design, and artwork by Christina D'Angelo.
0: Special thanks to the owners of Joe Allen, Orso, and Centrale Restaurants.